everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of Ukraine War Uncovered, podcast about the war in Ukraine. Today is 447th day of the Russian full-scale invasion of Ukraine. My name is Pavlo and my colleague is Anna. We are Ukrainians and co-hosts of this podcast. In this podcast we will uncover facts and stories about the war in Ukraine, some of which you may not hear from the mainstream media. We will provide you with key weekly updates about the war based on information from the ground, connect with eyewitnesses and experts directly from Ukraine, and share stories of wartime life inside Ukraine and stories of temporary displaced people. We will also uncover Ukraine, its culture, language and history for you. In this episode, we will cover the siege of Mariupol and heroic fighting of Ukrainian soldiers at Azov-style steel plant. We will cover the chronology of the events, brief you on rescue operations that happened at that time, and what is going on with those who's in Russian captivity today. So, moving on to the topic of the week, we've selected this topic for the reason that 20th of May 2022 being the day when soldiers and civilians were ordered to leave Azov-style the last place of resistance in Mariupol and surrendered into Russian captivity. So what is the chronology of events? On 24th February 2022, Mariupol was attacked by several missile attacks. On February 27, Russians military approached Mariupol from the east, coming from the Crimean Peninsula. On March 2nd, Mariupol was surrendered by Russian military. On March 16th last year, Russians dropped 500 kilos bomb on the Mariupol theater where civilians were hiding and the word children was written at the entrance. Around 130 people were saved, at least around from 500 to 1200 were inside at the moment of shelling. On 17th of March, according to Territorial Defense of Mariupol, Ukrainian military controls only half of the city. According to a preliminary estimate, about 80% of the city household have been destroyed of which almost 30% cannot be restored. 7th April, according to local government data, 90% of the infrastructure of Mariupol was destroyed. More than 2,000 residential buildings, 61,000 people private houses, 7 hospitals, 4 polyclinics, 7 higher education institutions, 70 kindergartens, and many more. On 11th April, at that point, Russian soldiers abducted around 33,000 of Mariupol citizens and sent them to Russia and occupied territories of Donetsk area. Soldiers of Azov regiment reported that Russians applied chemical weapons at the Azov stall using drones. On my third, Russian military entered the premises of Azov stall and fighting intensified significantly. On my seventh, Ukrainian government announced that all children, women, and senior people were rescued from Azov-style premises. On May 8th last year, Zelensky confirmed that military extraction is not possible from Azov-style, and thus only diplomatic negotiation will be resolution. Switzerland, UN, Red Cross and Turkey were involved in these negotiations. On May 10th last year, it was confirmed that at least 100 civilians are still within the Azov-style plant, in addition to a very high number of Azov-style battalion soldiers and marines. Between 15 to 20 May 2022, Ukrainian soldiers and civilians were leaving Azov-style, following Russian orders and instructions. This is because on May 17th, it became known that defenders of Azov-style received a signal from higher command about the, their right 
to leave the complex in order to save their lives. Around 2,500 Ukrainian soldiers left Azovstal and on May 20th, 2022, the defense of Azovstal was completed. Life of, of those in Azovstal brief witness comments of those being for about 80 days under siege. Nadezhda arrived at the Azovstal plant on March 2nd. I was there because it was the safest place and you off in the city and it had a shelter, says this young, uh, long-haired woman who explained that when the war broke out, she was alone in Mariupol. At Azovstal, she lived with other people who huddled in the tunnels and bunkers with her, taking turns to eat and sleep in groups. There was no light except for that coming from a generator that supplied some power. Life in Azovstal has been hard, admits Dasha. There was a group of children and the youngest was just a year and a half. We spent the day playing hide-and-seek, making paper toys, she says. Dasha is scared. Her father, who is employed by the steel company, is still inside. Now I just want to get out of this hell, wash my hair, take a shower says the young woman. It has been very difficult and we still have to process it. We had nothing, no food, and we were too scared to go out for it. But the army brought us supplies and helped us survive in there, adds Inna. Alina, a still works employee, recounts how people at the plant uh, have had to live basically on pasta, bread, oatmeal, and occasionally some canned meat. You cannot imagine the conditions in which we have lived, she says shakily. The situation worsened it on April 7th when the Russian attacks on Azovstal intensified. The bombs shook the foundation of the bunker. Wrapped up in a red jacket despite the sunny day, Valentina says she thought no one would remember the refugees and the plants, some 17 families. We didn't think anyone knew we were there, said the 70-year-old woman who has spent two months in the Azovstal tunnels with her son and 10-year-old granddaughter. Sitnikova promised the child that they would get out no matter what. And so it has been, she says with a sad smile. There have been secret rescue operations from Azovstal via helicopters. So the context is the following, between March and May 2022, more than 2,000 soldiers were trapped in the Azovstal steel plant with supplies, mad armor going low. The Ukrainian intelligence decided to organize a deadly operation to provide those surrounded in Mariupol with a chance to leave. The GUR, name of Ukrainian chief intelligence command, uh, planners intended the mission to be so audacious, so suicidal, that Russians would not realize the helicopters were Ukrainian and assume they were their own. If it worked, they would do it again. They wanted the crews to make it back, but everyone knew there would be no return from Azovstal soldiers. Even before the Russians started shooting, the flight was a nightmare. Vitaly, 51, one of the pilots said, they gave us orders and there was no panic at that moment. He said, I just thought I have to work with and survive. It was only when they said, now go and have a cup of tea and wait for the signal. I thought, please God, let this to be today, but tomorrow. Vitaly and his wing one, Vyacheslav, both from the 16th Army Aviation Brigade, left the base in Dnipro at 250 km hour and at three meters from the ground low. At one point, they bus through a Russian tent camp. Pilots remember watching them amazement as they were 
Russian soldiers brushing their teeth in the morning light. He counted down every minute of their 40. They were within the range of Russian anti-aircraft missiles. Once they reached the sea, they were confronted by two Russian warships. Somehow, neither opened a fire as the aircraft skimmed the waves in front of them. Then Mariupol came into light. They established contact with Azov Command, Denis Prokopenko, and landed, unloading the equipment and collecting the wounded within seven minutes. It was very, very fast, Vitaly recalled. At one point, I saw the Azov guys spinning so hard with the cargo, I had to signal to their commander, calm down, we will stay here as long as you need. Vitaly and Vyacheslav flew back to their rendezvous point, embracing when they were out of the aircraft. Vitaly was overjoyed they had survived. Two helicopters returned on March 29, pockmarked with bullet holes. On March 31, four Mi-8s went out with a Mi-24 attack helicopter for cover engaging Russian forces around Azovstal to distract fire from the transport. They were hit with man-pet rocket. One was shot down at the offset, returned only one engine, he said. But we brought 22 wounded back. So the Gurs sent in more ammunition and medical equipment between March 21st and May 11th last year. A total 15 helicopters and 45 air crew made nearly 30 rescue missions to Azovstal. Deliver Starlink communication devices, ammunition, medicine, as well as evacuating wounded. Six flights were successful, more than 20 were not. These are truly heroic people. Their examples show the whole country how real soldiers should act, said Pavel, who coordinated the operations announced by the General Guerrilla Budanov. Those were rescue operations from Azovstal, carried out last year very heroically to save those who were under the siege. And I turn over to you. Now we will move to captivity in Russia and exchanges back. On June 29th, the first exchange of prisoners took place, as a result of which 95 defenders of Mariupol and Azovstal came back home. In the summer, numerous reports began to appear that the Russian occupiers were preparing the so-called trial of the defenders of Azovstal. The Adolf Regiment, which was meant to take place on August 24, 2022, on the Independence Day of Ukraine. On August 22, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said that if the so-called trial takes place, Ukraine will refuse any negotiations with Russia. On August 24, the so-called trial didn't take place. 28 July 2022, Russians executed 53 and injured 130 prisoners of war from the Azov Battalion who were held in Alinivka prison that was transformed into an filtration camp by Russians. Russian version of the event was that Ukrainian military hit the prison with the HIMARS missile. Nevertheless, an independent investigation by CNN denies this claim. 29 September 2022 was the second massive exchange of prisoners of war from Mariupol and Azovstal. 182 soldiers were returned, including five commanders, 
who were obligated to stay in Turkey until the end of the war. The deal was arranged by Turkey's President Erdogan. Also, 10 foreign soldiers were released in Saudi Arabia, including five British and two United States citizens. As part of the exchange, Ukraine relieved the most influential pro-Russian politician in Ukraine, Viktor Medvedchuk. At this point, around 2,000 Mariupol and Azovstal defenders are prisoners of war in Russia, including 700 of the Azov regiment. Moving on to update from the front lines, 13th May this year, Ukrainian General Sirsky mentioned that the operation at the Bakhmut is still being carried on and Ukrainian military moves forward in certain directions. 14th May this year, according to Hanna Mahler, a spokesperson for the Ministry of Defense, Ukrainian military regained 10 strategic positions of Russia at the north and south of Bakhmut. So Bakhmut remains the hottest point of the battles, but the battles going on through the whole front line still right now. Let's move to news update from this week. So, on May 11th, Russians launched several C-300 missiles and killed one woman, as well as destroyed two blocks of flats in Slavyansk. Russians attacked Veliky Burlik in the Kharkiv region, injuring two women. Nine people were injured because of a Russian missile attack in Torvetsk, a town close to Bakhmut. On May 12th, Russians destroyed a farm with a missile in Izum area, killing a 30-year-old man. In Kherson area, Russians fired a missile at a private household, killing two women. On May 13th, Russians launched several missiles on a critical infrastructure in Khmelnytsky region, western Ukraine, injuring 21 people and destroying hospital premises, railways and local households. Kyiv and Mykolaiv were attacked by Russian drones in the night. Ukrainian anti-missile defense forces shot down 17 out of 21 drones. Overall, Russians launched a missile attack on 11 out of 24 regions of Ukraine that day. In the Bryansk area, it's Russia, two helicopters and two military jets crashed with no pilots surviving. Ukrainian band Vorchi got sixth place in the Eurovision Song Contest. The Eurovision trophy was passed from the Ukrainian blue and yellow flag to Sweden, having identical colors. Hopefully, we can exchange bags next year. As a reminder, Ukraine won the Eurovision last year with the song Stefania by Kalush Orchestra, with the UK being second. Ukraine was not able to host Eurovision in 2023 due to military activities in Ukraine, and thus Liverpool was honored to hold a combined Ukrainian-British Eurovision. Whilst the song contest was held at 11,000 capacity venue, the Bank Stadium, the organizers created an entire Eurovision village that, among others, featured Ukrainian food and symbols. Liverpool was ready to have Ukrainian guests there. Same day, Zelensky visited Italy, where he met Giorgia Meloni and Pope Francis, discussing Ukraine-related issues. On May 14th, Russians attacked Ternopil in western Ukraine with air missiles at the night when the Ukrainian Eurovision held in Liverpool. Rather a symbolic attack from Russians, Ukrainian military reported 25 drones and three rockets were shot down that night. Russian Ministry of Defense reported the deaths of their two generals in Bakhmut. As of November 2022, 20 Russian generals were killed in Ukraine since February 2022, according to the Japanese analytical center Nikki, who relies on Japanese and U.S. intelligence. The first losses among high-ranked military was caused via tracking the general's calls by Ukrainian intelligence that allowed to locate them. 
After the phone calls were banned among Russian troops, generals were mainly indirect targets as Russia still pursued the tactic of sending generals close to the front lines. Czech and John, Russian officers killed in Ukraine, reports that losses of high-ranking Russian army officers in Ukraine stand at 1,400 servicemen as of 1st November 2022. Zelensky visited Berlin, where he held talks with Olaf Scholz and tweeted about these meetings. Weapons, powerful package, air defense, reconstruction, European Union, NATO security. Berlin then announced a massive 2.7 billion euro weapon package. According to the German Ministry of Defense, the package includes 20 more murder fighting vehicles, 30 Leopard 1 tanks, and four Iris T SLM air defense systems. Then, Zelensky went to Paris to meet with Emmanuel Macron to discuss the bilateral relationship between Ukraine and France. On May 15th, Russians launch a missile attack on a hospital in Avdiivka, killing four people. Zelensky met Rishi Sunak in London to discuss the training of Ukrainian pilots for F-16 jets, as well as long-range missiles for Ukraine. On May 16, Russians attacked Kyiv overnight from various directions, using drones, cruise missiles and possibly ballistic missiles. The Kyiv authorities report that the vast majority of enemy targets were destroyed. Ukrainian Air Force reports that destroyed six daggers, nine caliber, three ballistic missiles, and nine military drones of various types during a night attack by Russians. Russian night attack in Kyiv caused the destruction of four buses and a garage burned down. Glory to our air defenses. Quiet a night and quiet a week in Ukraine and trip for the president. But now we want to move to our next topic of the podcast, week in the history of Ukraine. And this topic we want to connect with the events and topic of this week. So on May 15, 2022, the uh, Ukrainian Kalosh Orchestra won Eurovision Song Contest by wide margin with the Czech Stefania gaining a record 631 points in total from the international jury and the audience. The most important thing happened after the performance of the Kalosh Orchestra. Frontman Oleg found literally a few seconds after the performance to say words that the whole country expected from him. I am asking you all. Please help Ukraine, Mariupol. Help Azovstal right now. The musician urged to support our defendants of Mariupol. This impassionate appeal was heard live on the air of the competition which watched by millions of viewers around the world. Well, because of that, we wanted to connect it with the story of the week. And now we move to the word of the week. It's palenitsa. Literally means a type of a traditional Ukrainian hearth-baked bread made mostly of wet flour in a home oven. It comes from the verb to burn, paliti, and the bread's crust often looks a bit burnt. In the war context, the word palenitsa is used as an important shibboleth test in the Ukrainian language to identify Russians from whom the Ukrainian language is not phonetically familiar. It was used extremely widely during the first days of war when a high number of Russian saboteurs were present in urban and rural areas of Ukraine. Скажи палянитя. Палянитя. So, that's it for today. Thank you for being with us today. See you next week. Actually, hear you next week. Yeah, and hear you next week. In the next episode, we will cover the routines of those under shellings. 
showing you the life of ordinary Ukrainians who do their best to live an ordinary life, work, study and see friends and the regular air sirens. Devastating news, the instructive shellings. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine.